Welcome everybody from around the world. Hello everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. This is Karen Goldberg and here's what's coming up. I'm delighted and very gratified to welcome once again Adam Leipzig to the program. Adam was the producer and president of National Geographic Films when he brought the documentary film March of the Penguins to them, which of course many of us have seen and know that it has become the most popular documentary nature film ever. I'm excited to tell everyone that Adam Leipzig comes from a long career of movie making. In fact, this is his 38th movie. He actually started soon after graduating from Yale as a dramaturg at the Los Angeles Theater Center here in Los Angeles, California. And then he went on to Disney where he became a senior producer. So I'm so happy that you have the time, Adam, in your busy schedule to be with us today and especially that you're in the middle of filming and, and making this film. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us about it. Karen, thank you. It is my pleasure to be here with you. And I just want to sort of, before we actually get into the movie itself, which is called, I understand the working title is Lions of the Sea, which is the story of sea lions in the Galapagos. And uh, as I mentioned, Adam and I are sitting in Los Angeles, California, not at the Galapagos, unfortunately. I wish we were. But before we actually get into the film itself, I kind of want to back up, Adam, and think about the context and the moment of you making this film. Because when you made March of the Penguins, that was many years ago, and actually our climate crisis and our environmental crisis is much worse now. And it almost seems as if, you know, somehow we humans need to feel the emotion of what it would mean to lose our environment, to have to function in climate that we all know is changing and is much more turbulent right now. And it seems that this particular film, which is underway right now, and I understand you know, you, you, you think of it as an immersion journey, which certainly Penguins, March of the Penguins was, and you have a partner, an Ecuadorian explorer filmmaker, who I understand is Luis Felipe Fernandez Salvador, which is very exciting that you have that kind of partner. And I understand he's very renowned in his work. So I kind of want to ask you, I know it's a really big question, but do you, do you have a feeling from the experience, in fact, yourself of making this, that you can communicate through this type of documentary about inspiring people to realize what the wonders are around us that we need to protect? Thank you for leading off with a simple and small question, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I know. You know, I um, we're not in the Galapagos right now, but I was there a few weeks ago as we were uh, as we were shooting, 
And to, to walk in the Galapagos, which has been a protected area for more than 60 years, uh, where animals do not run away from you because humans are not predators, uh, and the lizards eat at your feet, and the birds do not fly away, and the sea lions will be an arm's length away from you, is to feel a kind of connection with the natural world that I have never experienced before. It's, it was a life-changing experience to be there. And it, was, it has been a generation since, uh, since March of the Penguins. So we feel it's time for this generation to have their film about another animal who is beautiful and charismatic and fascinating in its life uh, with better filmmaking techniques and a much deeper understanding, as you said, about climate change and the human impacts of the natural world. The sea lion population in the Galapagos and elsewhere is gravely in danger because of the warming of our planet and our oceans. In fact, when we were there uh, and I was snorkeling, the ocean temperature was about 72 degrees Fahrenheit, which mm. is fabulous for us humans, but really, really bad for the sea lions because it's 10 degrees too warm. And mm -hmm. it means that their, uh, their, their source of food is not as close and they have to go further away for, for it. And it, it makes it a much greater challenge to survive. So, yeah, we, the whole purpose of making this film is to um, enlighten and entertain and to give an emotional connection between the natural world and the audiences around the world that we hope to meet, that we hope to reach. So there's a sense of connection and caring and taking of responsibility for our impact and the changes that we need to make. Well, you see, knowing as, you as I do, I knew that the big question was exactly the kind of question for you to answer. And uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a perfect way of bringing us to really understand if, if, it, if it's affecting you that way, I know that you're going to be putting that into the documentary. And in a sense, you're gonna be bringing all of us to the Galapagos Islands with you. And I just wanna mention for our listeners uh, that the Galapagos Islands are a volcanic chain that is 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador, which is the Western side of South America, just to sort of give us uh, a sense of where these islands are and many people many people now are traveling or try to go to the Galapagos uh, but I, I know as you mentioned they only allow a certain number of humans to go there so what an amazing experience for all of you in in making this film and I guess you know you're you're really walking in a place that has been called a priceless living laboratory uh, and was, I guess, the inspiration for Darwin to do Origin of the Species. So, you know, you're, you're, you can't imagine 
an environment that could be more inspiring and that we hope will be as you're doing this film. Now the sea lions are called marine mammals. Can you give us a sense of um, kind of where, what are marine mammals? What other creatures are marine mammals? So we can sort of feel who these sea lions are. Sure, well, mammals are creatures where the mother nurses the young. So that includes sea lions and seals, polar bears, whales, dolphins, porpoises. Uh, so there's a whole category of, of creatures that live in and around the oceans that are mammals, just like we are. Interesting. So you're, you have these incredible sea lions. You're there at this extraordinary geographic location. And I guess you must have been in search of a story. How, how did you come about coming up with what is the story that you want to tell about the sea lions? Well, for, first, every time you ask the question, you, you address the question to me, it is really to our whole team. And yes, the movie, course. which is the vision of Luis Felipe, uh, our director, uh, it, who is an extraordinary artist as well as filmmaker, and so everything is, you know, is really coming from his vision. And my job as producer is to support that vision and help it get onto the screen and then help it get out to audiences. The, the story is pretty, is pretty straightforward. Uh, we're following the life of a sea lion from the moment the sea lion is born until it reaches uh, maturity and adulthood, which is about five years later. And the challenges that the sea lion and other creatures in that ecosystem, which include birds and lizards and marine iguanas and penguins, uh, although not the same kind of penguins as in March of the Penguins, these are Galapagos penguins that are shorter and uh, maybe a little bit scrawnier than those beautiful graphic emperor penguins uh, in Antarctica. Uh, and we just thought we are following the challenges that these creatures encounter in the world that they are inhabiting now, which is a world which is, as I said, is much, much warmer than it was before. So, you know, just going back to penguins uh, for a moment, because it really paints mm -hmm. the picture. March of the Penguins, we did a generation ago, 18 years ago. The penguin colony that was documented in that film is not there anymore. Oh, what happened to it? They didn't make it. None of them made it. They didn't make it. Come they're on. all, they're all gone. They're, they all died. Well, penguins don't live forever, but that no. that colony cannot does not inhabit that space. They're, they're they're not there anymore, because as the Antarctic sheets ice sheets are melting, yes, and it's changing. Right. Yes. So you you documented something that is no that that is no longer there. Yeah. And therefore we can still see it, but only through your documentary. That's how you can see oh. that colony now. Yeah. Yes. That's extraordinary. Yeah. That's very extraordinary and sad. Yeah. And sad for all of us. And, and because we're losing the ice of the Antarctica. We're, yes. Yeah. We're, look, we're losing, we're losing a lot of things as the, as the climate, in our world changes. So 
Yes, that's true. And, you know, uh, Ken, we're, we're making, we're actually making not one, but two movies. Uh, we're making the, the feature film, which you have just described. Uh, at the same time, we're also uh, making a short, maybe 28, 29-minute science and policy documentary about mm. these issues that can be shown at uh, colleges, universities, high schools, uh, conferences, uh, to government officials, to uh, corporate leaders, to inspire change awareness, changes in policy, changes in process, uh, responsibility, uh, and great, greater understanding of environmental stewardship. Uh, and that's a that's something that uh, I did with a film that I made about six years ago called A Plastic Ocean, where we had the feature yeah. version, and we also had the uh, we also had a condensed version, which uh, which was able to be screened in all those places that I described, and it's very effective. And this then becomes a policy and advocacy tool that yeah. is digestible and um, and a really powerful way to get dialogues going. How fantastic! I mean, that's that's really uh, what you call, you know, creating a collateral impact mm -hmm. by your making a film that you actually create something that is that goes along with it that will have another a, a different kind of life you know a life that you're where you're placing it right in the middle of of education right exactly and and of course and and our young people are are some of the young our young people are our leaders right now in trying to wake up the, the grown-ups in, in trying to preserve the world that they want to live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're, you've got, you've got a really willing audience. I think young people are even more aware, more worried, more interested in being activists. And that that's incredible that, that you're giving them the tools. Yeah. Climate change uh, ranks really high on the concern list of people under the age of 25 or 30 in a way that it does not place uh, for the generations that are older than they are. Which makes sense mm -hmm. because they're, they're aware this is our future. Yeah. This is where we're heading. Yep. So, you know, when you were talking about your extraordinary team and I did read a little bit about them, perhaps you could tell our listeners maybe um, uh, a little bit about, that some of the members of your team, I know Guillermo Navarro is uh, an outstanding nature underwater documentarian. Maybe you could describe a yeah, few Gu of Guillermo actually is not an underwater documentarian. Guillermo, no. is, Guillermo is, the, uh, is a great cinematographer, uh, won the Academy Award for Pan's Labyrinth, uh, is, um, is, is just one of the great cinematographers working today. And he is an overseeing cinematographer over uh, just over the the process of making this movie. The, the filmmakers who are the, the 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 camera people who are making this movie are uh, the best underwater and topside photographers in the world. And it's a very small club of people who actually do this because it you have to be you're they're they're staying underwater for seven hours. Uh, and <laughs> hoping that the school of sardines swims by and the sea lions are following them at that moment. <laughs> so it's a there's a very specialized group of people who have their own techniques and gear, and they are 
Uh, it's not like when you make a movie like this, it's not like you're going out with a giant crew. You, they are out there. Where there's a boat. There's a safety diver. There's a few people uh, together with them, but they are out there just trying to capture the uh, the natural world and the behaviors that they are, uh, you know, that we're trying to capture. Uh, and then, in, so uh, Guillermo Navarro is a great collaborator and team member. Also on our team is the sound designer, Nicolas Becker, who won the Academy Award for Sound of Metal. He just came back from Galapagos where he was capturing sound units, both mm -hmm. topside and underwater, underwater with extremely yeah. sophisticated and new technologies to capture the underwater sounds, which we've then, uh, all of that gear and equipment we've now donated to the uh, Research Institute in Galapagos so they can use it to continue their work. And the um, Nicola is now going back to uh, Paris where he's uh, analyzing these sound units. Uh, he's going to uh, create an immersive environment, a sound environment. Mm -hmm. so audiences can hear an emulation of what it sounds like underwater. Oh, wow. Or the that's, creatures, that's... because when we're underwater as humans, we hear with the bones in our skeleton because our ears do not really hear anything. We, we can't hear vibrations underwater, but, uh, but uh, sea lions can. So, so he's creating a, uh, he's going to create a sound environment that emulates what the sea lions will hear. So I'm very excited to develop that and then bring that out to audiences. How do we know that? How do we know what sea lions hear? Well, we can't hear it, but we can study their ears and the way that their ears are constructed and the way their ears are constructed to receive the vibrations underwater. So we can make as good estimates as we can make. Is that something they need that they have to use for survival? Yes, in this, entirely. So yeah. So in other words, it makes sense that they, they have to know those. They have to have that vibration. They, As, yeah, because, uh, you know, underwater, you can't see that far, especially if it's turbulent. And uh, so, so they hear, and this is top, this is top side as well. So they hear, and also they are uh, very sensitive to smell and their whiskers are very, very sensitive to touch. Their whiskers have, uh, you know, have, have more nerve endings than our fingers do. So they are, uh, so they have these different ways of understanding their environment. Amazing. So you, you have your underwater cinematographers, they go underwater, you're, you're there. Um, and as they go underwater, will they necessarily know what the story is that they're going to find in, in the sense, getting back to thinking about March of the Penguins um, is that you probably, as, as the story came about, you probably didn't, you didn't know exactly how the story would go. Isn't, isn't it the same that when you go underwater, you're not sure what is it that the sea lions are going to tell you about their life? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we there there are things that we do know, right? Just as in penguins, we knew that they were going to come back to this uh, to this site in Antarctica. They were going to mate. They were going to have babies. That we knew that, but all but the specifics we didn't know. In this case, we know that sea lions are born, and 
they have to, uh, and they and they nurse, and their moms teach them how to fish. And during the days, the moms go out and hunt themselves and get fish. And the alpha male, who has been the father of uh, many of the of, you know, all the children in the colony, uh, stands guard and does babysitter duty and kid patrol. <laughs> and then when the moms come back in, uh, the the dad goes out and he, dad goes out and fishes at night. So they're, And then the young ones grow up and eventually one of those young ones is going to become the alpha male of that colony as the colony continues and matures. So those are things that we know, but and we know that we wanted to capture these significant moments at each place in their journey. But uh, what is actually going to happen and how it happens, we don't know. And we're, we, we, so we, we went, we, we, we began the show by saying, here's how we're, this is what we want to get. The, we want to get these moments in life and life cycle. Those are the table stakes, if you will, for this movie. And then everything else is a happy accident. And we have to look for the accidents that nature gives us. And and pick and choose, I would imagine. Well, that's the editorial process. Well, we'll have hundreds of hours of footage and we have to pick and choose to make it a 90-minute movie. And, <laughs> and, right. So you'll pick and choose and see. So that so those will be the pieces of the story mm-hmm. that eventually we will all see. And and so as as you're going along, um, this this may sound like a trick question, but is there anything so far in terms of the sea lions that has surprised you about them? Hmm. Um, they are really good at taking naps. <laughs> they just love pulling, coming out of the water and lying on the sand and having a good time. And uh, if there are rocks or a sidewalk or benches, they'll lie on the sidewalk and the benches. So, <laughs> and uh, I, I discovered uh, that the reason they do that is that the sea is very cold. So they come out from time to time to warm up. So they lie on the sand to warm up. If there's a rock, the rocks are even warmer than the sand. So they'll cr- climb up on the rocks and just lounge and have a good time. So in fact, you you get to film underwater, but also over the water. I mean, wherever they are, we, 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 we've been shooting underwater and topside. So how much, how much time do you, I'm just interested in knowing to thinking of sea lions, do they spend more time in the water or do they spend more time lounging around? They ultimately spend more time on land. Uh Uh-huh. So I see. So this is, so we're going to get both. We're gonna we're gonna see Galapagos, right? We're gonna oh, see you the, will see Galapagos of the land yeah. of Galapagos, yeah. and we're gonna see underwater. Yeah. So how how exciting! So we'll get like a full picture that way. We are so excited to bring it to you. Yes. Well, so as this filming is going on, do you have any sense of a time frame? Because you're in the process at the moment when we might you know, be able to have the joy of seeing this film? You know, I, I don't feel I can promise that yet mm-hmm. because it has to do with a lot of things. It has to do with how editing goes, and then it has to do with certain distribution decisions and release date decisions. Uh, but when we know, I'll let you know, and you can let the listeners know. All right. Well, 
at least, yeah, the listeners and many more, I'm sure, will will want to know. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, you know, thinking about again about the context of this in our environment, it's it's almost like when you think about what you you've you know told the sad story of the colony of the penguins can no longer be where they were because of the melting and the and the environment and our climate, you know, the temperature rising the seas are rising the the temperature of the seas are rising even though as you said the the sea lions find it cold uh and certainly much warmer to be on land but it's still you know to them it's, it's still, still it's still too warm for them because it means because they're one of their major food sources is sardines and the sardines don't want to be in water that's that warm so they swim further away and that creates difficulty in their lives uh you know their what what sustains their life so all these things around us are really um you know what i would call it's kind of the cliche about the canary in the mines you know they're Mm. they're giving they have messages for us they're telling us uh watch out you know something bad is is happening here and it's going to get worse and I hope that that the story, the, the emotions that you've talked about and the feeling that people will end up having for these sea lions from the story you have to tell, I hope it will inspire beyond uh, the 25-year-olds that you were mentioning that already are so concerned. I hope it will inspire all of us to know that we have to take greater steps, that we need to pressure our political leaders all over the world and of course we have a global audience today that we need to pressure our global leaders everywhere to do something to to be a leader in helping us survive as a human race with with our sea lions amen yes is there anything else you want to tell us about the making of this film and it sounds like a rather joyful experience for you and for the others well it, it's an amazing place to be we have great people working on it uh, and when you have when you have that combination of a, a great story and a great place and terrific people uh, it's it's just a really you know it's a good esprit de corps it's a good environment and uh, should allow us to make something that's pretty spectacular and yes, it sounds like it's going to be a beautiful movie at, at a very high level of artistry with such an extraordinary group. And congratulations, Adam, for being a producer of something like this and to be a person supporting such an incredible team. Thank you. And, it's my honor. And I thank you again. It's my honor to hear all about this and to look forward to seeing that film as soon as it's ready to be seen. And I'm sure our listeners will be looking for it also. So again, it's called, as the working title, Lions of the Sea. That is Thank it, you. Lions of the Sea. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much, Adam. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Commentaries from the Edge. Please subscribe 
and you will be notified of all future episodes.